Hi, welcome back to Unsolved Self. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Maddie. Hope everybody had a great week out there. Maddie, how was your week? It was actually pretty good. We uh, all got together. Y'all came to see my new house. And we and did, and it's beautiful. Thank you. And we went to the corn maze, and that was fun. It was. Um, yeah, and then we're going to do the corn maze over again in a couple weeks. Yes. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Also, I got the boys' costumes. They're going to be uh, sharks, and me and Noah are going to be, uh, one of us is going to be a lifeguard, and the other is going to be a victim <laughs> of a shark attack. It's going to be super cute. That is going to be cute. Um, And yeah, so that's a... Are you going to decorate their wagon to look like it's got water on it? That would be super cute. Oh, You could do I've, like cardboard and draw waves. That's hilarious. I am going to do that. That sounds amazing. I didn't think about decorating the cart. Um, yeah, you have to do that. Yes, I definitely have to do that. I also bought Sawyer a leash. <laughs> <laughs> so he can't escape my grasp. It's one of the ones that goes on his wrist. It's like a little like like a spiral thing oh, he's definitely really taking good. that off it's got a lock on it it's supposed to be anti child unlock proof or something like that <laughs> we'll see how it goes it came in a two pack so I'm really hoping that it works right. uh, yeah but uh will you let us know fun. that and we're gonna go um this I think it's Saturday is the trunk or treat here and then on Halloween, we'll, of course, go out and trick-or-treat again. Um, in my neighborhood, some mm-hmm. of the parents, they do uh, jello shots for the parents. While the people a lot of people in my Halloween groups do that. They do um, liquor for the parents. They, like, give out hot dogs or popcorn and stuff. Like, they have a ton. I, I would definitely so do that if I lived in a, like, conventional neighborhood. Yes. I am so excited. Like, I I was scared about living in my neighborhood because, you know, I've never lived with an HOA before. And I've never, right. um, you know, had houses this close together. My house is, like, basically touching the next house, which I hate. But, you know, it's a beautiful house on the inside and, you know, spacious and everything. Um, it yeah. has a decent backyard. Um, it backs up to the trees, which is nice. Um, so I was super scared about moving into the neighborhood, but my neighborhood has been awesome. Like everybody decorates for the holidays. We have food truck Fridays where they get different food trucks to come to the neighborhood. I saw an ice cream truck the other day. Um, there's a lot of community activities. They have like decorating competitions. So the, um, the trunk or treat, they're doing like, you could win different, uh, like levels of it, like kids choice and scariest and all that, which is super fun. Um, and they just, there's, there's a lot of like community I don't know, events and stuff, which is really exciting. So I'm really excited to be a part of a community. Well, you got lucky because I can tell you that a lot of people have problems with their neighbors and with their HOA as far as especially Halloween decorations, but even Christmas decorations. There's a lot of people, you know, I decorate big um, 
I didn't go big for Halloween this year just because of a lot of stuff came up. My surgery got moved up and that was kind of unexpected and stuff like that. But for Christmas, I'll go big again. And um, so I'm in a lot of groups with people. Like a lot of people in my groups have competed on like Christmas light fight and a couple of them in the other group, Christmas fright fight or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, Halloween fright fight or whatever. But uh, a lot of them have had issues with their stuff getting vandalized, with the HOAs complaining about it. Um, the new thing this year seems to be people writing letters about how they're offended by different displays. Ugh. You know, which some of them, I will say, go out of their way to try to offend people. Like one did a very um, kind of anti-religious display, which is totally their right, but yeah. I mean, you knew what you were doing when you did that. So, you know, you can't really be like, oh, now everybody is talking bad about me. I mean, you kind of knew that was coming. Yeah. But um, some of the other ones, you know, people will write letters and be like, you need to remove this from your yard immediately and stuff like that. And it's like, really? Yeah, you just... I don't my know thing why people is, can't even, let people have fun. Well, I know, but my thing is that even like the anti-religion one, is it my taste? No. If they were my neighbor, would I go demand they take it down? Also, no. Because it's not my business what they're doing in their yard. You know, what I can do is drive right on by and watch the road and not watch their house, and then I don't have to see it. Right. So, um just feel like audacity got on sale somewhere and I missed it because like <laughs> how do you think your opinion means so much yeah that somebody should change like everything they're doing to suit you that doesn't make sense to me yeah no and y'all hear my dogs they're going ape shit because Norman I, I like me and Kayla went out there and we patched up the side of the house where he was getting in and we were like all proud of ourselves and then here he come busting back out from under the house <laughs> so he not only got in somewhere else but then he busted out the part where we had just patched it <laughs> and he goes and gets right under Dexter and Dandy's food dish yeah how does he know that's where it is um, I mean, is he just lucky like that? But anyway, he gets right up under it, and then he barks from under the house. And then they get all riled up because he's trying to get to their food or whatever. I mean, is he hungry? No, he has food. Well, I don't know then. I mean, he has a good setup. He has, like, uh, he's got his house. They've got a whole bedroom back there with blankies and beds. They've got, you know, like, their big food dispenser. They get fed every day fresh food, but they've got, like, a water dispenser and a food dispenser and toys galore. Yeah. And his other thing that he's doing now, which is really annoying, is he'll run out and like when you pull into the yard he'll come out from like he just lives under the house like a hermit now <laughs> but if you yell at him if you're like go get back in your pants like he's super smart he's so smart it, that's yeah. 
like annoying because you'll be like, oh, get back in that pen. And he'll go let himself back in the pen. <laughs> and then he'll stand there behind the fence. But as soon as you turn your back, he's right back out. Ugh. But he'll run out when you pull up. He'll run out from under the house. He'll grab a walnut. Oh, and then he'll run back under the house. And I told Zane, I'm like, it, like in two years, my floor is going to be buckled because I'm growing walnut, a walnut grove up under my house now. <laughs> because I personally have witnessed him take like 10 walnuts under there. And how many is he taking when it wasn't me out there? Yeah. And why is he taking walnuts under the house? I have no idea, but he'll run out. He'll make sure you see him. He'll grab a walnut, he'll look at you, and he'll run back under the house with it. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> the neighbors came out with their kids across the road, and they were playing in their driveway. And he went and put himself in the front yard so he could bark at them. So he pinned himself up to bark at them. Oh. I'm like, what on earth? He's so, so weird. Oh, he's a little weirdo. I mean, he's sweet as can be, and he's so soft. But, um, man, he's driving me nuts, and they cannot keep him in. Like, me and Kayla were so proud of ourselves. We were, like, over there with the drill and the boards, and he come bebopping out of there. <laughs> I'm like, dog, I swear to God. <laughs> You're killing me. And Lizzie, if they leave the gate un, un, um, chained, she'll just open the gate and come out if she feels like it. But She's she got out. out well, no, you have to chain the um, the fence, or she will. But the other day, we were they were out in the yard doing something, and turned around, and Lizzie's like standing there right next to them, just watching what they're doing. Like, what are we up to? And they're like, what are you doing? But check her right back in. I mean, mm. I don't know. They're wild. It's like we got no control over here. Yeah, y'all are and then, out of control. <laughs> I know. And then one of my chickens is making like I think, I think it's a rooster, but it looks like a chicken. I think maybe it's just not sure enough quite yet to look like a rooster. Usually, you kind of see signs by now, but I don't. But um, it crows, but not like it sounds like a lamb. A lamb. A lamb. That's what it sounds like. What? So okay, but at first, when it first started, listen, we're rambling a lot early in this show, but uh, I got stuff to say. I feel like it's been forever. Yeah. So it really uh, hasn't though. <laughs> we're on top of like it. <laughs> oh. Remind me, I'm going to tell you how many viewers we have, but keep going with your story. All right. Um, it sounds like... <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's, it's my chicken. I was like, okay, that's not... Like, keep practicing, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's <laughs> not quite correct, but I mean, you know whatever. It, dude, you got this. I mean, 
I don't know. Anyway, well, I only have one story for us this week, but I do think it's an interesting one, and it was one I've never heard. If you live in Oklahoma, it may be one that you're familiar with, but um, I personally had never heard it. And uh, also, when we get done, remind me to tell you about Avery Kate's uh, t-ball games. Mm-hmm. I hear about my niece Avery Kate. She is a whole mess. A whole mess. Her parents are going to be crazy by the time she's grown. Oh, you want to know the number of how many plays all time we've had on all of our episodes? Yeah, tell us. Just guess. I don't know, like maybe 1,200? 8,080. Uh-oh. Yes, 8,080 plays on all of our episodes. That's exciting. I know. Where's Lindsay and um, man, who's the other one? I can't think of the name. <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of your name. Man, I suck. Where are all our regular listeners? And I ain't said nothing this week, or maybe oh. last week either. Maybe our last two shows weren't very good. No, I think they said something. I don't See know. Nothing? You get started, and then I'm gonna stalk them real quick and see what's going on. Okay. Because for some reason, Janice is the only name I can think of in my life. Like, it's the only other name that exists. And I know that's not true. That's not. No. No, I know that. It just feels like the only name I can think of. I told y'all I'm on this new medication and, um, man, that's got me messed up. Did you tell them you're on new medication? Oh, I don't know. I'm on new medication, and it's got me messed up. Now I told them. <laughs> so, okay. See you when we get started with the story. Yeah. So. I know we're Lindsay. Lindsay did say something on October 12th. She said, "Mail Jeep, come on, Zane." I don't think that's the last one though. No, that wasn't our last episode. It's like everybody disappeared. Do they hate us now? Let's see. Huh? Do they hate us now? No. Heifers. Billy hasn't posted in a minute either. Are we on restriction? I hope not. I usually get a notification, but I ain't been in Facebook jail in a hot minute. And I don't I see I anything from Heather for five weeks. Where is Heather? Heather's who I Heather, was Heather, what are you doing? And it was just a comment. It was nothing. Where are these people at? Yeah. I'm very upset. I'm very upset with all of y'all. And what about the rest of y'all? Why are y'all not yeah. commenting and stuff? Why do we got three loyal people? <laughs> yeah, I wonder about the rest of y'all. How come y'all ain't talking to us? Yeah, come on now. All right, anyway. I know I got issues and I think people hate me if they, <laughs> if they don't talk to me. I automatically think y'all hate me. <laughs> Alrighty, let's get started so they'll not hate us anymore. And, you know, they're probably just skipping forward and everything. And that (laughs) could be true. In our thing, waiting for us to, like, start talking about the podcast. Or start talking about the, um, who are we kidding? They don't care about none of it. They just want to hear us ramble. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, let's, let's go. What do we got for today? Okay, so we have the story of Laura Long, and she was an 18-year-old white female. She lived with her parents in a small, quiet town named Claremore, Oklahoma. 
Laura had recently graduated high school and she was working as a secretary at Neely's Insurance Company. Laura was very well liked by everybody she came in contact with. She had a lot of friends, her coworkers liked her, the customers liked her, she was a sweet girl. On July 10th of 1977, Laura was at the house. She was um, just piddling around. She had washed the family's cars and then she was finishing up washing her car and she had plans to go to town, put some gas in her car, grab a drink, and then she was going to go hang out at the Neymark Shopping Center in the parking lot with her friends. You know how kids do, where they just gather in the parking lot and hang out and talk and stuff. Yeah. So, that's what she was going to do. And she was going to take her car, because she had gotten a new car from her parents for her graduation. So, she was pretty proud of it, and, you know, she's just going to go hang out with her friends, right? Mm-hmm. On her way out, she passes her parents in the road, and, you know, they both honk and wave, and they're like, hey, you know, and none of them realize, though, but that would be the last time they would ever see each other. Aww. That night, Laura's mom did something that she never did. She went to sleep before Laura came home. And it was her habit that she would always stay awake and wait on her kids to come home. But this particular night, I guess she was just wore out. And she went on to sleep and Laura was not home yet. When she woke up the next morning, her husband said, you know, Laura didn't come home last night. And so... They both kind of went into, you know, what is going on mode. They tried to call her friends. They contacted anybody they could think of. None of them knew where she was. Mm -hmm. And so they get in their car and they start riding around and they're looking for her. And they find her car in the parking lot of the Neymar Shopping Center. And... The car is locked, her purse is still in it, and it's just sitting there. There's no damage to it or anything, and there's no sign of Laura. Oh my goodness. So, her family calls the police, and you know, they're like, our daughter is missing, and we found her car, and we haven't heard from her since last night, and she was supposed to be home, and you know, we're so worried, and all this, right? Mm. So the police show up, to the shopping center and the first cop on the scene was a man named Chester Whoopi Brown Baldwin sorry <laughs> Whoopi Baldwin <laughs> you said Whoopi Brown I did say Whoopi Brown you just give him a new name I did <laughs> I was looking at something else in my mind <laughs> just Amy my completely new name. And we're going to call him Officer Whoopi from here on out. Okay. Good. He had he had only been a cop for about a year. So he was super fresh. And he says, well, you know, hey, do y'all have a key to the car? Do y'all have a spare key? And the mom's like, uh, yeah, but... I don't want you to get in the car and touch anything 
because I want to know what's going on with my daughter and I don't want any evidence to get messed up if fingerprints need to happen or anything, you know, so I don't want you to touch it. And Officer Whoopi says, oh, no, 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 you're right, you're right. I won't touch a thing. Uh, and so she's like, um, uh, okay then. And so she gives him the key. She doesn't want to, but she does. And she gives him the key, and Officer Whoopi gets in the car and proceeds to touch everything. Whoopi! The police never dusted the car for fingerprints, so it didn't really matter that he touched everything. And the car itself was never actually processed in any way. They never went through it for evidence or anything. Are you kidding? No. And that really annoyed the mom. Um, she... You know, like I said, she was smart enough immediately to know that they shouldn't be touching anything. And for her to to take that stance, but then the police to be like, well, no, it's fine. That's ridiculous. Right. Well, the police said that they had to wait 24 hours before they would start looking for her anyway, because that was their policy. It's not true now, but that was their policy back then. And so they told the parents that they weren't going to start looking for 24 hours anyway. Now. And that gives them the excuse to just ruin the crime scene? See, I, I don't think they, I guess that they didn't believe it was a crime scene. That they just fully believed she would be back. And that would be that. And so they didn't treat it as seriously as they should have now my thing is that it really kind of feels like you would say listen we can't investigate but let's leave the car here and you know we'll come back in a couple days and dust it and you know let's don't disturb it just in case or something but that's not the way they handled it. I never understand why they're always like, oh, no, no, it can't be nothing. Like, they don't see this every single day. Like, why is it always like, nah, I'm sure they're fine. Well, I guess they also see a lot of, you know, people panicking, saying, hey, my kid's missing. And then the kid comes walking out of the closet or whatever. It's and, literally um, your job to care, though. Do what? It's literally their job to care. Well, it's I understand what you're saying, but who cares I don't know. if it's don't a false you? lead? That's a great thing if it was false. If, if it was like, oh, oh we overreacted. Right. It's a great thing that that happened. You were absolutely right. You should be thinking your lucky you stars that your job your is life. easy that day. You know, like your kid falls and you're like, okay, you're good. Get up. You know, well, this could be the time that they broke their arm. Yeah. But you see them fall all the time, so you're like, meh. That's probably not the time they broke their arm. You know? Yeah. So, I think maybe it's something like that. They just get so many nothings that maybe they get kind of complacent. I don't know. Personally, I see crime scene everywhere. 
you know like we got behind a pickup truck and um at a stop sign and i was like listen the country girl in me says oh they've been hunting or something mm -hmm. the true crime in me says they definitely committed a murder because there's blood all over their bumper and um and tag oh sketch coming out of the back of the truck now we're in georgia chances are that they chances are they hit a deer or something and threw it in the back of the truck but um you know i'm just saying chances are it's an animal but there's a part of me that is like mm, there could be a body in that truck i mean sure. there was a dude at the grocery store today in front of me in line he bought six bottles of bleach in a, a jug, like a gallon jug of some other kind of cleaner. And I walked out and I told Billy, I was like, he's definitely cleaning up a crime scene. I want to yeah. follow him, but I don't feel like getting involved today. See, and that's one of those things that you could put on the, the app. That's like, See? oh, I saw this exactly. weird thing. Like but this dude wearing, wearing ocean colored props. Was buying a, Crocs. Yeah, he was buying a uh, butt ton of cleaner and bleach, and that's suspicious. I mean, I don't know. In any case, the family wasn't really happy about having to wait 24 hours before anybody was even going to start looking for their daughter. So they decide to go to the local paper and they're going to try to get them to publish a story in the upcoming edition and um, just let people in town know that their daughter's missing and kind of if anybody has any information. So they go to the image the imaging editor of the local paper and that local paper was called the Claymore Daily Progress mm -hmm. by the way the editor was Pat Riley reader and Pat also worked with the police department as a crime scene photographer oh Okay, so she was the editor of the paper, and she was a photographer with the police department doing crime scene photography. Yeah. And so they go to her, and they're like, you know, our daughter is missing, and we want you to put a story in the paper and let people know, so if anybody knows anything, they can come forward. And Pat says, are the police or the FBI involved? And the parents say, yes, the police are involved, but they won't look for 24 hours. And Pat said, well, then let's hold off and then wait the 24 hours, and then we'll put something in the paper. Are you kidding me? No. And Pat would always regret that decision, and later she promised herself that she would never turn away a parent again. Any parent that come to her for help, she would help them however she could. Because Pat actually wound up being the one to take the pictures when they did find Laura. I'm not going to say serves her right, but serves her right. Well, Pat also came forward and said that she felt like Laura's case was mishandled from the jump. And that's kind of saying something because she did work with the police department. She witnessed the way they worked 
all the time. And so for her to say, you know, listen, they completely screwed this up from the very beginning is, is actually, you know, pretty telling. Mm -hmm. Um, 10 days after Laura went missing, there's a little boy, a young boy, he's riding his bike out on the country roads in between his family's fields, and he smells something dead. Now, he's he lives on a farm, so he just assumes that it's one of their cows had gone off and died. And so he goes back to the house and he tells his dad, he's like, hey, I think one of the cows died out here. And um, so the dad's like, you know, I'll go check it out. So. Yeah. Dad comes out to investigate, and instead of finding a dead cow, he actually found a human body in a ditch. Oh. He calls, he goes back to his house, he calls the police, they come out, and they realize pretty quickly that this was going to be Laura. Her body was in pretty rough shape, but um, they identified her by the clothing and certain things that she had on her body. Mm -hmm. But her, she was almost mummified. Mummified? Yeah, she was pretty dehydrated in the July heat. And um, she also was in an advanced state of decomposition. Really? So she was in pretty rough shape and you know it had been 10 days she was naked which led the police to believe she probably was the victim of sexual assault but they could not get a definite answer on that because of the state of her body yeah one of her socks had been shoved down her throat so far that it was blocking her airway and her cause of death was suffocation oh my goodness she was in such a bad state that they had to put her in her coffin inside a bag covered with lye. What? That's how bad things were. Her parents were obviously absolutely devastated. Yeah. They were not able to see her to identify her because she was in such a bad state. And then even at the funeral, they were not allowed to see her. And so they literally saw her for the last time when they waved at her on the road. Uh, how can they just say you're not allowed to see her? Like if, if they really wanted to see her, why were they not given that option? Um, I don't know if it was like they absolutely were like, you know, no, you're not allowed. Or if they were like, you should not. Gotcha. You definitely should not. And and they were not wrong about that. Uh, that's something that you would probably never forget. Yeah. And you would never be able to think about your child without that flashing into your head. Yeah. And so whoever told them that they could not view the body, they were 100%. They were doing the Lord's work. So, you know, I mean, I know that you want to, and regardless of the state of the body, I know that you feel like I can't believe it's them if I can't see it. Yeah. But sometimes it's, it's for the best. 
You yeah. know, it's hard, but sometimes it is. So how did they confirm it was her if they if they were not allowed to do a family confirmation? Um they confirmed it was her by the the items around her. I believe she had on some jewelry that they were gotcha. able to confirm. Then, you know, they knew that it was a female her age. She was the only one missing. Okay. So, for weeks after they found her body, they would find pieces, articles of her clothing on roads. So, somebody was spreading the articles of clothing on different roads. And they were finding it. Because nobody had found anything until after her body had been found. And then oh after God. that, for weeks, they would find pieces of her clothing down dirt roads, country roads. Once Laura's body was found, the different police departments um, began to have an argument over whose jurisdiction it was under. And the local Claremore police believed that they should have jurisdiction because she was reported missing inside the Claremore city limits. The county sheriff believed that they should have jurisdiction because the body was not found inside city limits. It was found out in, on county land. And so they felt like they should have the jurisdiction. It was an argument back and forth. They were just kind of in a power struggle. But here's a here's a wild idea. How come we don't share and we I, don't work yeah, together no, they, to solve this problem? They definitely did not do that. Well, so, yeah, obviously. I don't know why you've got to fight for power. Like, just freaking share. If you shared, probably this case would be solved. I'm assuming it's unsolved because we're unsolved South. But <laughs> if you would have shared, I'm sure that we wouldn't be talking about this right now, would we? I mean, that's probably true. And we've discussed that before about um, different police departments not working together and the amount of evidence that is not compared it actually probably would lead somewhere. If anybody set their egos aside and actually tried to solve the case. Yeah. Now, initially, they both worked on the case separately, though. They didn't compare notes or anything. And neither department did a great job of working on the case. Obviously. Yeah. In fact, a couple of days after Laura's body was found... The sheriff at the time, his name was Amos Ward, he shows up at the longhouse and he tells Laura's parents that the sheriff's department's out of money and they need more money to continue the murder investigation. Wait, what? Yeah. So Laura's mom, bless her heart, was not having it. And she basically was like, uh-uh, no, sir, you get paid either way, so get your ass out there and go do your job. Good for her. 
and she said she definitely felt like they were trying to extort money from her from the family yeah and honestly that really is what it sounds like i don't know why else you would approach the family and say that yeah so allegedly that's what happened in any case um i was stunned i i was i was shook i was like whoa you just show up at the house of a victim and be like well listen we we ain't got the money to continue to investigate so like what was your point if not to get money from them what was your point in saying that i guess to not have to do it anymore i mean you really weren't doing it to begin with though were you no absolutely they weren't and what exactly did you need all this money for like who are you paying yeah she's right you're getting paid regardless so get out there and search for the killer dude anyway okay so we digress um laura's mom also felt like this case did not get worked on as hard as it should have and that it was bungled um which obviously you know she's probably right yeah she also felt that people were distracted law enforcement was distracted because the girl scout murders had happened just a few days before and everybody was kind of focused on that the police began to interview laura's friends and people that were at the shopping center that day because they felt like they may be able to say who laura had been hanging around with if she left with somebody or you know what exactly had happened but none of that really led to any leads and then with it being such a small town, rumors started to swirl and everybody had a story about who did what, right? So the police say that they followed up on every single rumor that they heard. Now, right. that's what they say. They even brought in her high school boyfriend and got him to come in and get polygraphed and he passed and they cleared him. But they began to do what they called Holly Hour, which is where they would just pick a suspect off their list and they would have them come in and they would polygraph them and question them, see what would turn up. But nothing really turned up that they kept a record of, at least. Okay. Now, about this time, Ted Bundy had escaped and he was on his way back to Florida and he was later arrested in Florida. Now the Claremore PD thought that it's a possibility that Bundy had murdered Laura. Okay, so then that should give this fuel. Well, so they, you know, they're like, oh yeah, he's, he's probably the one because he's escaped from prison. And so they call up the prosecutors in charge of that in Florida and um, because by then he had been arrested and they were like, you know, oh, we think he murdered this girl. And they're like, well, actually, he was in prison at the time. He had not escaped yet when her murder took place. So Bundy was off the hook. It was not him. 
Then the police got it somehow stuck in their heads that another serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas from Texas, was the one that had killed Laura Long. What? Henry Lee Lucas was absolutely known for giving false confessions. Everybody knew this about him. And when the police went in there to talk to him, they made several mistakes right off the bat. The questions that they asked him were really leading and it contained all the information he would need to make up a story. <sighs> so, Henry Lee picks up on this pretty quick and he uses the information that he's getting from their questions to confess to Laura's murder. I don't so understand the confessing to something you didn't do. Oh, I'm about to tell you why. Um, okay. So the detectives get super excited and they gather up the confession and the information and they run to the DA and they're like, look, we got this confession. And the DA is like, okay, well, you don't have any evidence against this guy. You know, his confession is really not enough to bring a case against him because he's known for false confessions, right? Yeah. So then he's like, go back and investigate more. And when they did, it turned out that he was not even in the area at the time. He wasn't even in the state. And then he recanted his confession and says, hey, look, I just confessed to delay my execution. So, you know, thanks for the information so that I could do that. So, if somebody's on death row mm -hmm. and they confess to another crime, then that crime, the, those victims have the right to justice. And so there's usually like a trial and all of that, or they'll be like, you know, where's the body, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. But legally, that holds off any execution that is scheduled because now we have a whole new set of legal proceedings based off of the crime that they've admitted to. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's not that uncommon that people on death row will do a false confession just to, you know, kind of buy themselves more time. Right. The Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation eventually came forward and they said, listen, this is our case. We have jurisdiction over the entire, case, entire state. And so we're going to take this case and we're going to start investigating. And in 1997, Detective Tim Norris reopened Laura's case. Tim I had they closed it. Well, yeah, they didn't have any information. After the guy's false confession, the case went cold and they just were like, well, until something happens, there's nothing we can do. Ugh. So for 20 years, this case sat. So Tim has a friend, Detective Tim has a friend that has just taken an FBI training course on profiling. So Detective Tim is like, hey, you want to put that course to good use because I've got this case and I could use a profile on the killer. Would you mind helping me? And so the friend's like, 
cool, you know, because he just went through and did this whole course and everything. And so he's like, yeah, I'll get it. So when he comes back, he's like, this is, is what I think the, the killer is. He's going to be an athletic white male in some sort of authority. He is going to be a country boy. He will drive an old pickup truck. He's going to live in a mobile home. This profiler even said that the killer would probably be partial to wearing bibbed overalls and a straw cowboy hat. What? I don't understand how they get all this, like, information. I don't either. I told Billy that um, on the way home today. I was like, I wish I could get profiled so they could say, like, what I should be driving or, you know, what, what I'd be wearing. Because what about this crime led them to bib overalls and a straw cowboy hat? Like, I can get the country boy. I can get the pickup truck. I can get the white male. Maybe even the athletic, because, you know, you kind of have to be a little athletic, probably, to get her to come with you in a crowd of people, which is what I'm assuming happened. And then to be able to subdue her. So, I don't know. I I said the same thing. I, I wonder how profiles are done to where they can even come up with what you're partial to wearing. Was that all the profile said? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there was some boring stuff, but this was what, you know, the gist of it. The profiler also suggested that since they were coming up on the 20th anniversary of Laura's murder, that they should probably run a news story. And Detective Norris Kemp, he was like, yeah, that that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. So he does, and on August 22nd, 1997, Detective Norris receives an anonymous letter delivered to the police station addressed to him. This letter states that the person they are looking for for killing Laura is a man named Bill Dykeman. It said that Bill worked at a place called the Peabody Company, and he worked nights and that he would often leave work and get his co-workers to cover for him. So during these times he would go out, he would party with different women and hang out with them. And then when he was done, he would sneak back into work in time to clock out. And then he was having his co-workers to cover for him. So, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. I'm not covering for you to go work and to go party and you can get paid to go party. Oh no. Oh no. Right. I'm so, not sitting here working my butt off so you can have go have fun. No. I'll I don't be a know. snitch, that's fine. They were working their butts off or they probably would be like, uh no. I'm not loading this entire truck while you go out and party. Yeah. You know, you're going out and getting laid, and I'm over here shoveling coal or whatever they did. I don't know what they did there. So I'm assuming, you know, that all of them were barely working, but you never know. Yeah. Um, one night, according to this letter, he had done this, and when he came back, he had scratches all over his arms and his neck and face. 
and he had told the letter writer that he had accidentally killed a girl and he didn't know what he was gonna do. What? The letter also stated that soon after Laura's murder, Bill had sold his property to his brother and then had moved out of state. Hmm. They also said that he had been abusive to his wife at the time and that the police could check any of this information out and find out that it was true. And Detective Norris did check out the information and he found um, pretty much everything to be true. So Detective Norris begins to interview people that worked at the Peabody Company back in 77. And several of them did admit that Bill would leave and they would cover for him. And, you know, some of them said, yeah, he would sneak out and go meet up with women. And um, then they tracked down his ex-wife and she didn't want to talk about Bill. But they did get her to admit that he was abusive to her. And he did sell his brother his property and he did move out of state. So they track Bill down because they're like, listen, you know, this letter writer may know something because everything they've said is true. It's all been verified. So they track down Bill and he is living with his new girlfriend in a mobile home. When they pull up, his old pickup truck is outside and he answers the door wearing his bib overalls. And a while straw detective hat. do what? And a straw hat? No, but Detective Norris glanced in the house and there's a straw cowboy hat sitting on a chair inside. <laughs> he said almost everything the profiler had said was true. <laughs> and and applied to Bill. They even found out that he was an athlete. He had played baseball as the pitcher on a St. Louis Cardinals farm team. So he actually even was an athlete. Wow. Bill had, at the time, worked also a second job at the Claremore Police Department as a meter reader. So he did have a form of authority. Wow. Detective Norris feels like Bill is a pretty good suspect now. Yeah. And he definitely fits the profile. So he he's does. like, listen, you know, did you have anything to do with Laura Long's murder? And Bill's like, I don't know nothing about that. I don't know her. I don't know nothing about it. And the detective's like, hey, why don't you come in for a polygraph and we can just get you eliminated? And Bill's like, okay, I will. And so he goes in and they ask him, did he harm, cause harm to Laura Long? And he showed deception on the polygraph. Okay. They actually gave him a series of polygraphs and he showed deception on every single one of them. But polygraphs aren't allowed in court, and the police did not have any evidence to connect him to Laura's murder. 
So they do ask him for um, hair samples and blood samples, and he agreed. He acted like he had nothing to hide. Mm. Um, the thing is that I could never find where he was compared to the DNA that they did finally pull off of Laura's body. So, um, I don't know. I guess that never led anywhere. Anyway, Detective Norris would receive two more letters in the coming weeks. And both of those were getting increasingly frustrated that an arrest had not yet been made. And the letter writer didn't feel like the police were doing enough with the information that they had been given. Yeah. In the letter writer's opinion, he had pretty much handed them their suspect on a silver platter. Yeah. And the police were not doing anything with that as far as he could tell. The police just had no evidence, and they begged the letter writer to come forward because maybe they would be able to ask some questions and figure out where they could find some evidence. Laura's family begged the letter writer to come forward, and that person never did come forward. Ugh. But through interviews, Detective Norris believed he found the man that wrote the letters, and he went to the man's house to speak to him. The man said, I know exactly why you're here. And then in their talking, the man quoted the first letter. He quoted from it. Yeah. But he denied that he wrote it. And what? Detective Norris pled with him. He was like, you know, please just admit that you wrote the letters and help us to get this guy. And the guy was like, um, no, I didn't write him. Mm. He was extremely old by this time, and he had a lung disease. He was dying. And he would not admit that he wrote the letters, and he would not do anything else to help. And soon after he talked to detectives, he did die. What did he have to lose? I don't know. Do we know who it was? Um, they did mention a name, but I chose to leave it out. Just, I mean, you can probably research it. Well, it's definitely in my... No, I was just wondering if it was still, like, an unknown person. No. It's in my um, resources. You can go in and look at it. I chose not to just because... It apparently meant a lot to this guy not to be named. Yeah. Does he, did he have any connections with that other guy? Yeah, they worked together at the Peabody Place. Yeah, I see. What did he have to lose? That's what I want to know. I don't know. And I thought the reason he was so frustrated that the police had not made an arrest was because he was dying. Yeah. And he wanted that off of his conscience before he died. So yeah. I don't know why he would not have just, you know, said, yeah, I wrote the letter and, you know, this is how I know. But I guess he may have thought that they could have brought charges on him. He may have thought he might live. And they could bring charges on him for accessory or, you know, whatever else. Because technically the guy admitted to a murder he helped him cover it up yeah 
you know, so maybe he was scared they would bring charges against him. I don't know. So the police said that they didn't tell Laura's family out of respect, but that they believed that Laura was very promiscuous and that she had been around town. She was um, popular with men. Okay. And that she had even had a CB radio installed in her car and she went by the handle Moonlighter and she would use that CB radio to speak and to meet up with truckers to have sex. Okay. So they felt like um, because she would do this and because she had slept with a lot of men around town, that it wasn't really a stretch that she may have met up with Bill to sleep together and, you know, things just went wrong from there. Now, obviously, we don't know if this is true or not. Uh, women have gotten a bad rap throughout history as far as, you know, being called sluts or promiscuous when, you know, if they flirt with somebody. We don't know if she was actually out here sleeping with a lot of men. And, and honestly, what does it, does it matter? Because, yeah, what does it matter? Like, she didn't deserve to die because she, you know, slept with people. Definitely not. I don't understand um, why it's okay for men to just do that. And then for, if a woman does it, she's a whore. Right. But yeah. I guess what they're trying to say is that um, because otherwise, why would she have gone anywhere with Bill? Yeah. You know, he wasn't in his, her friend group. He was grown. He was married. I mean... Why would she have gone with him? But if she was promiscuous and if she did like to meet up with random men for sex, then that explains why she may have gone with Bill. Yeah. Also, it kind of opens up the door that it could have been a random trucker that she met up with. Or Ted Bundy on his way back. Well, he was in prison. So he said he was... He escaped and he was on the way back or on the way to Florida. It was in, in the time frame. The police believed that he was escaped at the time, but when they checked out the story, they found out that he actually was still in prison. He had not yet escaped. Gotcha. Okay. I said that earlier. Sorry, I missed that part, I guess. So, um... Anyway, so they feel like that that could explain her, how she met up with whoever killed her. Yeah. Because at this point, they had interviewed all these people, and it didn't seem to be anybody she knew. It didn't seem to be anybody she was friends with or acquainted with or anything. So I think they were trying to come up with a way to put her in the presence of her killer. Well, I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious that it was Bill. So, where does it stand now? Okay, so, well, at some point, a random young woman shows up to Laura's mother's house. Laura's parents wound up getting divorced. Their marriage did not survive her death. 
Yeah. And um, this random woman showed up at Laura's mother's house. Laura's mother did not know her, and the girl did not know Laura. And she tells Laura's mother, you need to get a grand jury to look into the sheriff's office. And so Laura's mother starts digging around, and she gets people digging around, and they find out that the former sheriff, not Amos, it was another sheriff after him, um, during the investigation. Mm -hmm. That sheriff was actually Bill's cousin. And when the cousin sheriff turned over the box of evidence he had at his house to the new sheriff. He had the box of evidence at his house? Uh Uh-huh. And in that box of evidence, there were index cards. And there was one for each person that had been interviewed as a suspect. And Bill had been interviewed as a suspect, but his card was not in the box. What? So, here's the thing. Bill passed away in 2016, and he was never charged with Laura's murder. What? What? Okay, so why are we not questioning the cousin? I mean, I'm sure the sheriff did when they found that out, but... I mean, what do I mean, it got lost, I guess. Maybe it's stuck uh, to another for tampering with evidence. Well, you have no proof. There's absolutely no reason yet a box of evidence should be at your house. I don't know if that's that uncommon in small town um, back in the day, you know? And if your cousin was a suspect, that automatically puts a conflict of interest and you should have resigned from the case. I mean, he runs the whole sheriff's department, so the whole department would have had to resign from it, too. No. No, just him, and he shouldn't have had the box of evidence at his house at that point. Because he shouldn't have been allowed to be on the case. And if they, if he was, if he was involved and they were fighting another uh, law enforcement agency for, you know, custody well, the of the fight case. fight began with Amos. Do what? The fight began with Sheriff Amos. At yeah, the time. so then they should have, at that point, when the new sheriff took over, they should have given it to the other agency. Well, Because I it's mean, all conflict of interest. The sheriff's cousin is a suspect. And a really good were, suspect at that. There were a lot of... Well, remember though, at the time when this happened with that sheriff, he was not like a primary suspect. He didn't become a primary suspect until 20 years later when the profiler made the profile up and he fit it so well. Back in the 70s, he was interviewed, but he really wasn't a hard suspect. But was he not a hard suspect because of the cousin? Mm, Allegedly, that's probably true. Allegedly. 
see. I love my use of that word because I know I'm not using it correctly, but also allegedly that's how it is. I know. I love using allegedly also. So, um, so do you have any other thoughts? You think that it okay, was Bill? So you think only, it was a random trucker? You think it was just somebody? The thing that I thought during the story was the original green cop that yeah. touched everything. What did he look like? Did he fit the description? Well, I don't know. He was never a suspect, so... Exactly, and the case has never been solved, so, I mean, all all people are suspects at this point. Um, you know, but... that's not a terrible, um, a terrible thought, honestly. They because... probably were pretty close to the same age. They, um, you well, know, I've seen that on that. TV shows, where uh, somebody will do something and then they work with the, the police or whatever, and they come in and they accidentally on purpose mess up evidence and not only that but he just came out of the school like he just got to this point he knows that he's not supposed to touch evidence he knows that and then the family reminded him and he went out of his way to touch everything in the car yeah everything in the car he went out of his way to destroy evidence it just rings sketch to me, and I wonder if he fits that profile. I don't know. Yeah, I do see? Not know. But, I mean, that's not a terrible... I mean, you're right. At this point, everybody in the town is probably a suspect because, you know, there was a lot of sketch behavior. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. But, I mean, Bill does look like a fantastic... Uh... Uh... What's it called? Suspect. Suspect. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. He, he looks like the top one, but also that green cop seems yeah, to be. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think about it, but yeah, you're not, yeah. you're not really wrong about that. So. Do you have a theory? I think it was Bill. I think that yeah. he snuck out. I think he was already abusive, so mm -hmm. I think it was you know possible that she snuck out and then you know turned him or they he snuck out of work and they met up and she either turned him down or you know maybe she never even met up with him for that purpose maybe you know she went to mcdonald's or something and he ran across her and grabbed her up we don't really know and i feel like any man that's abusive is a possible murder suspect. And and, that could be completely you know, wrong, but it's what I feel. It doesn't even have to be that he did it maliciously. Maybe um, they both liked it rough and wanted to play that, uh, I don't know, captured by a, a stranger kind of thing. And, you know, it got out of hand. I mean, I guess that is at all possible. I feel like you wouldn't jug a sock down somebody's throat that far um, in a sex game. But, yeah. you know, I don't know because I draw a hard line at a sock in my mouth. So, <laughs> um, I don't want nobody's sock in my mouth. Not my own, not somebody else's, not a brand new sock. I don't no. want a sock in my mouth. No. So, 
I don't really know because that's not what I'm into. But but you never know. Somebody else might be into that kind of thing. I mean, you ain't wrong. Yeah. So, and he did apparently say he accidentally killed her. So, you know, that could be the case. So, but that's all I have on that one. Awesome. You said something about Melanie? No, not Melanie. It was Avery Kate. I was going to tell you about Avery Kate because my niece, Avery Kate, started playing T ball, which I really pushed for her parents to sign her up for T ball. I had shared the T ball registration with them like 17 times, even after they said, Well, we're not going to sign her up this year. I kept sharing it because I felt (laughs) like they could. And so they did. And, um, I was thrilled when I got the schedule that she was playing t-ball because they had already told me no. And so I've been to every one of her games because t-ball is the best thing on the face of the earth. If you have never been to a t-ball game, get yourself out there. It is fun. (laughs) Well, Avery Kate is a whole mess. She is like main character energy. She, the whole world revolves around Avery Kate in her mind, right? She's um she's like almost three. And or is she three now? Yeah, she just had her She's three, yeah. She did. Um anyway, so yeah. And her mother is forever with the pictures and the selfies and stuff. And so she poses like it's ridiculous. Anyway, so when she was batting she hit the ball and then she turned around put her hand on her hip on home plate after she hit the ball and looked back so i could take her picture (laughs) (laughs) so she posed and then she ruins but i mean she was like every time she comes back to home plate she stands there and poses so i can take a picture (laughs) and her father was like stop videoing her because she will stop and pose so I can, she, so I, she needs to make sure I got it. And so he's like, stop videoing her <laughs> because she was not doing right. She, um, she at one point decided to go put her glove. She's in the outfield. She decided to go put her glove in the wrong dugout because she didn't want to play with her glove. <coughs> Um, Then she decided she didn't want to wear a hat, which to her defense, her hat is huge. And then she was wearing it like a trucker, like just sitting on top of her head. And it kept falling off every time she would run. It was a mess. Anyway, um, and then last night she did pretty good. But she's so nosy. But Mm -hmm. anyway, the coach was like, you need to go back out on the field. But she's on the grass and they're in the field. And he's like, you need to go back out on the field. She drops to the ground and starts rolling like a carpet. Like she's laid out like a carpet. And she starts rolling and she rolls herself out onto the field. Mm -hmm. And then you look out and the other kids are out there rolling around now too. And so, and Stacy gets so upset. She's like, every Kate, act right. The rest of us are dying. I mean, we are over here just, listen, her Aunt Michelle is here for it. I had my kids and I had to yell at them when they did stupid stuff. But this one, 
I'm the aunt. I don't have to yell. I am here for whatever shenanigans Avery Kate gets up to. <laughs> it has been the best. But anyway, I went to leave the other day from the ball game, and I was like, I, I love you. I'm going to go on and go. I, after the ball games, we have to have a photo shoot of her in her uniform every time, too. Yes. Anyway. Yes, queen. I'm like, listen, I got to go. But I'll see you at your next game. And she's like, where are you going? And I said, I got to go home and try to finish um, my Halloween decorations before Halloween. And she's like, why? And I said, so I can get, maybe get some trick-or-treaters. Listen, pause right here. I've said it before, but for new people, I don't get trick-or-treaters because I live out in the wilderness. And so... um like, there are houses here, but nobody is going to walk between them to trick-or-treat because that's just too much. Yeah. So, everybody goes into the neighborhoods to trick-or-treat because our neighborhood's so spread out. So, I never get trick-or-treaters. So, people that know me that have kids, like my brothers, will bring their kids to trick-or-treat. But that's it. Yeah. Well, last year, Avery Kate showed up at the house, and I had got, like, full-size candy bars and stuff. She's my only trick-or-treater. I might as well splurge on her, right? Yeah. But she had filled up on her full-size candy bars. <laughs> so, this year, like a month or so ago, she put in her order, and she's like, Aunt Michelle. And I'm like, yes. And she says, um, I'm going to be a pirate for Halloween. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And she's like... I'm going to need M&M's, full size. <laughs> full size. Okay, And I'm thanks. like, yes, ma'am, i got your order. Original and placed. peanut. Yeah, she told me what kind she wanted to. I forgot, though, so I'm just going to probably get a variety. But yeah. um, in any case, so she's already put in her order. She's already told me what she's wearing, so I know it's her. <laughs> so I say... At the game the other day, I, I say, you know, I'm going to go finish my Halloween decorations. And she's like, why? I'm like, so maybe I can get her trick-or-treater. She got so offended. And she said, you already have a trick-or-treater. <laughs> I'm like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. She is like, I do not know why you think you need another trick-or-treater. I am all the trick-or-treater you need. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this child is killing me. Yes. She is so funny. Oh my, she is a mess. And another quick thing, I know we're running over, but uh, we did Kayla's trunk or treat and it turned out great. Um, I'm going to post pictures, but and she'll be thrilled. Oh, um, she was so awesome. That was a great, that was fantastic. Y'all did great. She did so good giving kids candy and everything and um, talking to people. She's mm -hmm. so good with it because that's not always her strong suit. No. She gets frozen sometimes when people talk to her. Yeah. But she was all about it. She did so good. And um, then at one point she gave, we practiced beforehand because she had these gels and so she laid them out around her because she did a lot of the decorating of the um the trunk and all yeah and like you know i did some certain stuff but you know she had a lot of ideas she has very specific ideas she wanted to carry off and we did 
And so she did a lot of the decorating and she laid out some shells. And so I said, what are you going to do if a kid wants a shell? And she said, no. <laughs> and I'm like, you have a, a bunch of other shells. And like, she has like a bag full. And I said, yeah. you've got a bunch of shells. You need to let a kid have a shell if they want. And she's like, okay. And so I'm like, and what do you do if like somebody old comes up and wants candy? And she's like, no. And I'm like, no. You remember when somebody did that to you? You give them the candy. I mean, we, we've got candy. We've <laughs> so she's like, oh. And so, um, so kids were coming up and some of them would pick up the shells and she'd be like, you can have a shell. And so, but this one kid come up and, um, and she gave them candy and then she gave the kid a shell and the kid put it in their bucket. And then she's like, hey, to the father, she's like, hey. And he's like, yeah. And she said, that shell's not edible. <laughs> what did like, you say? I died. I was like, oh my gosh, she is hilarious. What did you say? He said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but she had people come up and, you know, want to take pictures of her um, costume and her setup and everything. Aww. We cut out um, shark pins and stuck them on the ground in front of the car. Then we hung up streamers, white and blue streamers, to look like water in the wind. And it, we had a pretty good setup. Yeah, that, it looks so good. I'm so proud. My costume was... Uh, listen, there were certain challenges to the costume because she's got certain... Um, uh, like sensory issues. Yeah. I mean, she can't have like her legs tied together or anything. And so, you know, that, that was a little bit of a challenge to be able to put a tail on, but yeah. not have it constricting her legs. And so, um, the bottom of the costume does look a little different than what you imagine a mermaid costume, but it's still very visibly a tail. Yeah. But, you know, also, I was trying to design it in a way that worked for her. I am not a professional costume designer, and you will notice that. But, <laughs> but I feel like we did a pretty good job. Yeah, I think you did. Uh, anyway, think did she, was, she was happy, and, you know, I'm happy it's done. And then she already started her design for next year she wants to do a dinosaur theme and then you know we were at your house trying to decide about a restaurant she kept interrupting me to show me a dinosaur theme and i was like kayla that's like 340 days away <laughs> if you show me that dinosaur thing one more time i'm gonna punch you in the eye <laughs> so but yeah she's got big plans for next year I was iffy on the dinosaur theme, but I said, can I be the dinosaur trainer? And her and Zane are going to be dinosaurs, apparently. So That's going to be so cute. Yes. And also it. at Zane's birthday, so shout out to, like, the day we're recording this is Zane's birthday, so shout out to Zane. Yeah, I think it's like Tuesday or Wednesday today. Happy birthday! It's Today's Wednesday. Wednesday. Happy birthday, Zane! Love you! He's Same. not gonna listen, <laughs> but just in case, he might though. He might. I think he's secret squirrel does sometimes. Oh. Billy listens, and he's like way behind, and then he'll like just like he'll get out of the car in the mornings and go, uh, like you're welcome. And I was like, for what? 
And then he's like, I was just trying to be rude because Matlin said that was rude. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and then he's like, on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Me and Noah talked about that on the way out from the uh, corn maze because um, the guy said, <laughs> the guy, uh, you know, telling everybody bye, he was like, thanks for coming. And yeah. Noah was like, you're welcome. And then you said he was rude. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that was so weird. And he was like, how is that weird that he thanked us for coming? And I said, no, that part was normal. The part was weird, though, that you said thank you or you're welcome. And he's like, what can I say except you're welcome? And I said, I mean, just nod or thank you. He said, so I thank them from thanking me for thanking you for coming. And I'm like, I don't know. You're welcome sounds rude. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. He doesn't do He doesn't I think care. You're weird. I no, agree with I, Noah. Th- I think it's weird for you to say you're welcome for something you didn't do. I did come there. But no, 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 no. You didn't do anything for that guy. I paid to come there, which caused him to get paid. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Listen, it would be weird if you were like, you too. He said, thanks for coming. You were like, you too. (laughs) Thanks for coming. Have a great day. I don't know. I feel like it's weird. I feel like it's so weird for you to say you're welcome. I feel like you're weird. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. It just, it it screams rude to me. Just so But... (laughs) All right, we're way over, so... We are so over. We're 21 minutes over. <laughs> Sorry about that, y'all. Sorry about that. All right, we love y'all. Um, love y'all. Join Share our us. Facebooks and and uh, Instagrams and all <clears throat> that good stuff. Who are we sharing yeah, with? Yeah, do that. Uh, share us with some, somebody that loves Halloween. Ooh, have a spooky Halloween, guys. And right. uh, post... Ooh, y'all should post your costumes on our Facebook page so we can ooh, see do that. like. But yes. Halloween is next week. Uh, but it's like Tuesday <coughs> or something. Yeah, it's Tuesday. So, yeah, so that we won't have another episode before Halloween. Oh, you're right. So, so anyway, yes, post, post them when you got them. Yes, post your Halloween costumes on our Facebook page. We would love to see what you and your children and your grandma will be. Okay? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.